Thank you for joining us today on the Cortez Law Firm's podcast. My name is Stephen Cortez, and I'm an estate planning attorney here at the Cortez Law Firm in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And just a quick disclaimer, because <laughs> we are attorneys, that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And if you have a legal situation, then please consult with an estate planning attorney or any attorney in your hometown. Today, we're going to discuss how to avoid sending your loved ones and your assets through the probate process. Guys, nobody wants to do that. Nowadays, many people are using a revocable living trust centered estate plan instead of a last will or instead of joint ownership as the foundation of their estate plan, having a revocable living trust as the foundation. When properly prepared, a living trust, a revocable living trust, will avoid the public, costly, and time-consuming process or even conservatorships or guardianships due to incapacity or even probate after death. And that is really something that a lot of people don't think about is that if they don't have an estate plan in place, they may have to, well, their family will have to go through what I like to call a living probate. Uh, And that basically means that when somebody becomes incapacitated, their loved ones have to go to the court and appear with a judge to get a guardianship or conservatorship over their loved ones because they did not have an estate plan in place. And those can be just as costly and sometimes just as contentious uh, as a probate. Unfortunately, many folks will start the estate planning process by coming to us or to another estate planning attorney, but still end up sending their assets and their loved ones right into the court system for probate. You might ask, well, why does this happen? Well, the number one reason is because they fail to fund their trust. And you've heard me talk about this many times in our other podcasts, or if you've watched us on YouTube, funding a trust is simply the process of transferring assets from your name into the name of your trust. You should also change most beneficiary designations to your trust as well. Funding is accomplished in several different ways. We're going to talk about a few of them today. First is changing the title of your assets from your individual name to the name of your trust. For example, let's say we're working on the Jackson and Samantha Spencer estate. I just made that name up. They'll change their assets, the title, from Jackson and Samantha Spencer to the Jackson, Spencer, and Samantha Spencer trustees of the Spencer Revocable Living Trust dated November 14th, 2020. Does that make sense? The next thing is assigning an asset without a title to your trust, such as artwork, jewelry, collectibles, antiques that you have into the name of your trust. After that, the next thing is changing the primary beneficiary or contingent beneficiary of your assets to the name of the the trust. And as always, you should consult with your CPA or your tax attorney before making any types of changes to your beneficiary designations. But what happens if your assets are left out of your estate? In other words, assets you forgot to put into the name of your trust. For many people, avoiding conservatorship or guardianship and probate are the main reasons they set up a revocable living trust, right? And I think you'd agree with me on that. Unfortunately, you may believe that once you sign your trust document, you're done. There's nothing else to do. However, in fact, I think many people believe (laughs) that once they sign their trust, they are completely done. But if you fail to take the next step to change titles and beneficiary designations, and then you become mentally incompetent or incapacitated or you pass away, your assets and your loved ones will end up in 
the probate court for any asset that is not in the name of the trust. So which assets should and should not be funded in your trust? And again, you need to talk to an estate planning attorney or your tax attorney or your CPA before you make these changes. But generally, you will provide or you'll want to provide. You want to fund the following assets into your trust. And I say generally because you should always consult with your estate planning attorney or CPA first. But generally, oh my gosh, how many times can I say generally? However, generally, there it goes again. These are the assets you want to put in your trust. The first is real estate, which could be homes, rental properties, land, mineral rights uh, that you have, even timeshares. But if you have a timeshare, oh my gosh, guys, stay away from them. Just It's better to, just to get rid of them. They are such a headache. A bank and credit union accounts, checking accounts, savings accounts, and even certificate of deposits. But you need to you do need to be careful with a certificate of deposit because they can trigger the early withdrawal fee. So always check before you make any changes to your certificate of deposits. But we generally recommend that uh, if you do have one and it's still not due for several years, just to kind of leave it as it is, unless it's really just a substantial amount. But leave it as it is until it matures. And then when it matures, if you roll it over, roll it over into the name of your trust. Safe deposit boxes, which <laughs> I've talked about several times in other podcasts and some of our videos on YouTube, are also right up there. If you have a safe deposit box, then please check out our, our podcast on them. They are not as safe as you might think they are. <laughs> so I'll, I'll leave it at that for this podcast, but uh, you might want to check out uh, some of the dangers that we have seen when having safe deposit boxes at banks. Other accounts are investment accounts, brokerage accounts that you might have. But again, check with your financial planner or, or your CPA before doing that. Another thing is notes payable to you. If you've loaned anybody money and you actually have a loan agreement, that needs to be changed to the name of the trust. Another item to put into your trust is life insurance. If you don't have a revocable, if you don't have an irrevocable, excuse me, uh, life insurance trust. And if you don't, you probably should talk to your estate planning attorney about getting one. The next thing is business interests. If you have any business interests, you might want to put them in the name of your trust as well. The next are intellectual property and oil and gas interests that you might own, especially if, like here in Oklahoma, you live in an oil-rich state. Personal effects like artwork, jewelry, collectibles, and antiques should also be put into your trust. Now, they don't have a title, what we'll do instead is just do a document that transfers them. However, on the other hand, you'll probably not want to fund the following assets into your trust. And these include IRAs and other tax-deferred retirement accounts. Only the beneficiary designation should be changed. And again, before you even do that, you really need to talk to your CPA before you do any kinds of changes with your IRA or retirement accounts, especially with changes that have happened recently. Also, stock options uh, should not be put into your trust. And again, consult with your CPA before making any changes to those type of accounts. Another thing you should not that should not be in your trust is any interest that you have in a professional corporation. You really need to look at the operating agreement for any of that uh, and any foreign assets. Those could trigger tax consequences if you put them into your trust. You also probably should not put your cars, trucks, scooters, motorboats, because most states allow these assets, including vehicles, to pass outside of probate. But it's usually just a bad idea to put your daily driver into the name of your trust. 
And the reason for this is if you get in a car accident, somebody's going to see that you have a trust. And it's important to work closely with your estate planning attorney to determine what should go into your trust and should and what should stay out of your trust. Remember, the whole goal is to avoid probate. Before purchasing new assets, consult with your estate planning attorney or your CPA to find out how the title of the account or the deed or whatever the property is should be titled, whether it should or should not go into your revocable living trust. So what are the benefits of funding your trust? Well, that's the whole reason you're doing this in the first place, right? Or at least one of the main reasons. Funding your trust makes it possible to obtain the best result from your revocable living trust based estate plan. Your incapacity trustee, instead of a conservatorship or a guardianship judge, will take control of your assets if you become mentally incompetent or you end up in the hospital like many people are right now during this pandemic. Your settlement trustee, in other words, your, your death trustee, instead of a probate judge, will take control of your assets after your death. In other words, they, your settlement trustee, will be able to make distributions and your family will not have to go to court for six to nine months at a minimum. Your trust will also be easier to update as your wishes and your circumstances change. Instead of doing things piecemeal through joint ownership or pay on death accounts or transfer on death accounts or individual beneficiary designations, you're able to provide all of that in one place, in one document, your revocable living trust. And believe me, guys, we've seen it all. And a lot of times people just simply forget to make changes to their beneficiary designations from like the 1980s or the 1990s. When they first started their job, they may have listed their parents as their beneficiary designations. But since then, they've been married once or twice and have kids and grandkids. So you really need to look at all of that stuff. Your final wishes will also remain private instead of being publicized in the local probate court records and in your local newspapers where anybody, including your nosy neighbor Nellie, will have access. Your incapacity or settlement trustee will have direct access to all of your trust assets without the need of going to court and getting a court order allowing them to do that. And that is huge and can save potentially thousands of dollars to your estate. Your incapacity or settlement trustee will still be able to manage, invest, sell, reinvest your trust assets without having to go to court and getting a judge to approve it. And like I said before, that is a big one. The bottom line on trust funding is that many people like the cost and the time savings, plus the added control over assets in a revocable living trust. But remember, and this is extremely important, unfunded trusts are not worth the paper that they're written on. If you've got a revocable living trust, make absolutely certain that it is funded and funded correctly. I know I've thrown a lot at you, so that's why we've prepared our free estate planning guide. And I'll put a link to it in the description section below so that you can get started in the right direction. Well, guys, that's all for today. If you got value, then please follow our podcast so you'll get notifications every time we post a new episode. And if this really is your first time here, then stay a while, listen to some of our other podcasts, and don't forget to check out our YouTube channel for the best estate planning, probate, and trust administration videos. We may have answers to some of your questions either here or on our YouTube channel that you've been thinking about. Check those out. Have a great day, and as always, have an awesome week. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.